Well, good morning. All right. Hey, I'm Tim Rogers, lead pastor here at Grace Point Church. It's an honor to be with you here on this Mother's Day uh, 2021. I believe it's that's the year. Yesterday I got the total year wrong, not just the day. I was in 2020 last year. So happy Mother's Day 2021 to you guys. Um, and I know for many of you, you are not moms. Um, and Mother's Day, as you know, brings up a whole host of emotions. For some of you, you have had some incredibly painful memories around mom. Some of you have dealt with an abusive mom or a missing mom, someone who has hurt you, who should have loved you and cared for you. We want to give our love to you this morning. Some of you are wanting to be moms, and you can't be. And we want to give our love to you this morning as well. Some of you are single moms, and you're wrestling with all of the, the journey that that entails. And some of you are, are moms with um, families that are mixed for a variety of reasons. Um, Stepkids and um, kids who were adopted into your family and, um, and, and interracial families. We love all of those family dynamics that are coming together. And I just want to affirm all of that space for so many of us this morning. So happy Mother's Day, no matter where it lands to you. Now this morning, it's going to be a little bit different than normal here at GPC. Number one, um, the lights are coming on, which I hope helps you see me better. But number two, number two, um, right behind me, you'll see a couple chairs, four chairs, and they're not there just for decoration. They're there actually to host some real live moms in the room this morning. And so I'm looking forward to having them share a little bit of their experience with us this morning as we talk about Mother's Day. It's an incredible day. But before we do that, I do want to say this, and I want to ask and answer the question, why should you even pay attention? attention if you are not a mom. If you're 13 years old, if you're 22 years old, and you're male, you're probably never going to grow into the role of being a mom. <laughs> but why should you even listen? Here's why. Here's why. Because while we're talking about moms this morning, what we're actually going to be talking about is something that I think everybody who is human can relate to. And here's what it is. I'll put it right up here this morning for you. That for all of us, hidden expectations can mix with perpetual comparisons to make us exhausted and empty people. You take that phrase by phrase. For all of us in the world in which we live and the desire for success that we have, whether you want to be great at school, whether you want to be great in real estate, whether you want to be great in your business, great in your friend circles, whatever it is that you want to succeed at, for all of us, there comes with that expectation of hope and a drive for the future. Hidden expectations, sometimes of yourself, sometimes expectations of your parents upon you that they never verbalized, but when you blow it, you know it, right? And perpetual comparisons of the person who's always going to be smarter, who's always going to be a little better looking, who's always going to be a little more savvy, who's always going to be just a step ahead of where you are. And even if you get there, you know that there's going to be somebody who's a little bit further down the road than you. Sometimes that's about money. Sometimes that's about character. A mom who's more patient than you are. A businessman who makes better decisions than you seem like you can ever make. Constantly bombarded by expectations, hidden often, and comparisons perpetually that can make us exhausted and empty people. And so this is the topic that I want to talk with moms and to moms about, but if you are willing to go under the surface, even if you're never going to be a mom, I think you will find a space here for learning and encouragement this morning as we talk about this reality of being a mom in 2021, especially, especially around the issue of hidden expectations and perpetual 
comparisons, all right? So with that being said, I want to, again, say Happy Mother's Day to our moms. Many of you guys know, I think it was Woodrow Wilson in 1914 who established Mother's Day for America, right? And you're like, I have no idea, but just nod your head. It'll make you seem like you know what's up. Absolutely. You're absolutely right. I'm so glad you guys know that. But it goes beyond that, right? I mean, back in Exodus chapter 20 in the Old Testament, even Ephesians 6 in the New Testament, the idea of being, of honoring both your father and your mother is a biblical idea. God, the maker of the universe, has established parents, both, both the role of fathering and mothering, to be a gift to our communities, to our societies, and to our families. And so we want to honor that space this morning. But every mom is a mom in context. And this morning, in 2021, you are a mom in a 2021 year, which is crazy, right? As was 2020. You're a mom in a COVID, or we hope soon to be post-COVID world, and we know that it certainly hasn't gone yet, but we understand that all of what has happened in the past year has impacted mothering significantly. And so I want to speak to that briefly. I mean, you realize if you're a mom, all of a sudden, you've had to become a homeschool mom sometimes, right? While still having a full-time job. Some of you are realizing I had to take on extra role of spiritual nourishment for my kids while I was not able to send them to real live in-person church. You've taken on an extra role there. If I can be so granular and so particular, and I hope not offensive to say this, because I will tell you now, this is not a comment about anybody in the room or online. Some of you moms this year, I know that you have struggled with your own diet. Some of you feel a weight of like, oh, I've actually gained weight in the past year because of the way that the year has been, and I feel worse about myself now. And then it makes it feel worse because I look at other moms, they're on a new diet plan. They're actually losing weight. And that makes me feel even worse about myself, right? The weight of the year is significant for moms. You've dealt with not just that, you've also dealt with the social justice issues that have come across our platform today. I mean, you're going to have to navigate with your kids through the racial tensions of the world, the economic downturn that we have. You're going to have to navigate the political climate that we've been in, helping your kids be nurtured and discipled through a unique space in time. And so moms, you are a mom in context. You're a mom in context, and you're a mom that brings everything to the table, both your good and your bad. And that, whether we like it or not, is just the way it is. And that's one of the hardest things. When you are going to live daily with your kids, and when we all live daily with ourselves, we realize that we bring the best to the table and the worst to the table at the same time. It makes me think of what Paul writes in Romans chapter 7, and I want to just reflect for a few minutes on that, and then I want to invite our distinguished panel to come up this morning. But in Romans chapter 7, Paul makes this statement that I can relate to so much and see if you can as well. He says this, I do not understand what I do, for what I do, what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate, I do. Can you relate to that at all? Can you relate at all to sitting there thinking, I wish that I wasn't so, you fill in the blank. I wish I wasn't so impatient with my kids. I wish I wasn't so short-sighted in my vision of the importance of this moment. I wish that I would have the courage of that mom or of that business leader or of that student. I wish I'd have the courage of that person. I wish I had the discipline of somebody else. I want to do those things. And yet I just don't. Like, I want to talk in a very real way and pull the curtain back a little bit for you moms, maybe normalize life. Do you not ever feel, moms, within one hour, sometimes you can move from absolutely loving that God has given you the gift of your children to one hour later wishing they never would have been born. 
Right? Is that not a common human experience? We usually don't mean the last part, but we feel it sometimes, don't we? <laughs> that we, are, we look at what we do and like, how did I get from over here to over here in this swing of time? It's amazing what goes through all of us, isn't it? Even just yesterday, we had the chance to do this seminar down the road of the, the Together Community Center called True or False, and great, great time there. It was an incredible, incredible afternoon, incredible morning. And, and I left feeling great about what happened, but then, you know, I went home and I'm like, I don't even feel like smiling anymore at all. Like, I'm not interested in being nice to a single person for the next several hours. What a swing of emotion, but I bring the best and the worst of myself to the table all the time. And, and so do you, but for moms, like you don't ever get to turn it off, right? You don't ever get to clock out and just unwind. I mean, this is your life. There was a, um, a sociologist, who, anthropologist who said this, Sheila Kitzinger, she wrote it this way. She said this, the home is supposed to be a haven of love and good feelings. Thus it comes as a great disappointment to many women that it proves not to be so for them. For it is also a place where the ugliest and most destructive emotions are experienced, where there is disturbing interpersonal conflict. And moms, I don't know if you expect this or not, but if you're experiencing a home where sometimes you're like, I don't even like to be in the home that I'm creating. I just want to normalize this reality for you that sometimes we do the very things that we don't want to do because in the home, everything, everything comes to bear. There was a lady named Nancy Ortberg. She is a great speaker and leader and she told the story and I wanted to share it with you because I think it drives home what I want to say this morning. She told the story about her experience even with herself and with her kids. She said this, the story goes this way. She said, as my first child grew older and I had two more children, my ability and my interest selflessly giving to my children waned. I remember one day in particular, I had a three-year-old, a two-year-old and an infant, and I woke to a fussy baby. He clung to me like a monkey hangs onto its mother and would not let me put him down. Meanwhile, my toddler was playing one of her favorite games, the one where she'd unroll the toilet paper and trail it through every room of the house. But that was only part of the game. Her favorite part was stopping in each room to take all of the books off the shelves and tear their pages out. With a squalling baby in my arms, I couldn't possibly catch up with her, and honestly, I didn't have it in me to deal with her if I had. At the same time, my three-year-old was begging to play Candyland. I hate Candyland. On top of that, a mound of dirty laundry threatened to suffocate us, and there was no food in the house, and I had to go to the grocery store. And at the grocery store, I had a baby clinging to me, a hyper-toddler in the grocery cart, and a three-year-old running up and down the aisles, barely dodging the carts of innocent shoppers. And to make matters worse, the grocery cart was so full, I had to kick the pack of diapers down the aisle. In the toilet paper section, I fought to hold back tears and to keep from running out. I stood there thinking, look at me. What am I doing with my life? Back at home, I unloaded the groceries, fixing lunch while the ice cream melted, and then I took the kids to the park, hoping to wear them out a little bit before rest time. Now, I know that moms, I know moms who can handle a day like this with unlimited patience and goodwill toward their children, but I am not one of those moms. By the time we returned from the park, I was a wreck. I hated myself, I hated my life, 
I hated my children. I put them in their rooms and shut the doors. Of course, none of them slept. I went into the garage and I cried. I thought I was going to lose my mind. Is this real life or not? Strip away the church reality of the pressure of it all. Is this not the experience that we sometimes have? Right? And so here's what I want to say here, that being a mom will shatter the illusions of perfection. It will. It's going to shatter the illusion of perfection. If you think that being a mom is going to require you to be perfect, it's going to shatter that illusion. And that's going to be a gift to you. It's going to give you the chance to meet God in a way that you ordinarily would not meet him. So let me speak specifically to one thing here. Mom, sometimes you feel the pressure. If you're going to meet with God, feel the pressure of, man, I've got to have a quiet time with God every day. I'm going to be able to have time where the kids are aside and I'm going to do my thing. And I'm just going to tell you that there are seasons of life and being a mom to young kids is one of those seasons where you might meet God in a very different way for years at a time. We're seeing God connect with your kids even at the playground as they experience the good gift of a beautiful day with your kids. Reminds you of the loving heart of a loving Heavenly Father. Being up at night in the middle of the night, nursing your children, caring for them when they're crying, can be a moment of care and compassion that you get to express the loving heart of your Heavenly Father to your kids in a way that a quiet time never would have given you the chance to before. That your perfection of illusion, the illusion of perfection of being a mom, can be shattered with the busyness and craziness of life. It, it, really, it really can. But let me go back to Paul for a minute, and then I want to go to our moms. I want to go back to Paul because here's what he said. He said this as he continued in Romans chapter 7. He said, for in my inner being, I delight in God's law. In my inner being, I delight in God's law. Meaning, like I know what I should do inside of me. Inside, I know what is the right thing to do. I understand all the right and good things to do. I would love to do all of the right things all the time inside of me. But, he goes on, but I see another law at work in me, he says, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Recognizing this real stress and strain between what I want and what I actually do. And he asks the leading question, who is going to rescue me from the space that I'm in? And he answers it this way. Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. That in the middle of the mess of life, in the middle of the mess of motherhood, in the middle of the mess of all of the ways in which we grow through expectations and comparisons of other people. Paul says we are a living mess of people. Who's going to rescue us from our highs and lows? Thanks be to God who delivers us through Jesus Christ our Lord, he says. Now, here's the question. How in the world does that work? How is it that Jesus rescues us in the middle of the mess of life? To answer that question, I brought three distinguished people up to the stage with me this morning because I have no idea how to answer that question on my own relative to moms. But I wanted to invite my wife, Jen, and Catherine Hackett and Christy Burke to come up. So you guys, why don't you guys come on up while I move this thing. I want to answer this question. How is it that God delivers us from our, let me leave that there, from our selves in the middle of motherhood? There you go. You can't have my chair, Christy. So before I answer that question, I want to make sure that you guys know who's up here on the stage. So immediately to my right is my wife, Jen. 
Good to see you, Jen. Thank you for being here. And then to Jen's right is Christy Burke, and then all the way over here is Catherine Hackett. So I'm gonna allow you just to introduce yourselves briefly, um, number of kids, ages, that kind of thing. My name is Jen. Um, we have three kiddos and they are all teenagers right now, so it's been a really fun couple of years for us. Yes, we do. Very good. Thanks, Jen. My name is Christy, and we have adult children. One is in college and still living with us at home. And I am Catherine. I'm very nervous. Uh, <laughs> and I have five kids ranging from three years old to 12. That's great. Um, thank you very much. So let me ask you, in light of what we have even heard this morning, as you have gotten into your mothering role, what expectations needed adjusted or things that were misaligned were corrected over the years? Um, what expectations needed to change as you have kind of grown into this role of being a mom? What illusions, if you will, have been shattered? Um, so talk for a minute, if you will, about what and you walked in, and here's what I think mom's going to be like, and then all of a sudden, or maybe not all of a sudden, but over time, this, this is not what I thought it would be. So whoever would like to go first is, is fine. Jen, I'll, go ahead. Okay. Yep. I think for me, um, I'm a firstborn and a pretty organized personality, and so the illusion that needed to be shattered for me was that being a mom was kind of a, like a manageable task. Um, especially when you have one kiddo and um, our first kid was very calm and obedient. And so, you know, you can just kind of be like, I got this. Um, I can manage my day, my time. Not that there's never hard moments, but I think um, as you continue to add kids and personalities, that illusion was shattered for me. And it's so good because um, I need to not think that I can manage this. Um, it's hard, it's messy. and that's what makes it rewarding um, because I need Jesus to help me. And if I think I can do it on my own, it's actually kind of empty. That's really good. Christy, can I go your way? I can really relate to Jen. But the first thing that I thought of um, was I kind of thought that they were going to be like me, that they were going to think like me and then like what I like and not like what I don't like. And that really became a problem when... It wasn't like that, and I had to step back and figure out how I could support them through a struggle or a challenge that I just really couldn't relate to. And I think the big example for that that I thought of was when my kids were in middle school, which I love that time of life, and I love learning, and I'm a big reader, but none of my three liked to read at that age. And so when sometimes they would be actually whining or rolling around on the floor that they had to read some book for English, I like could not relate to that at all. I'm thinking, what? This is fun. <laughs> so I, it was really a challenge for me to kind of be sympathetic and also to find a way to help them get through those things because I, I didn't always feel that struggle with school. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Thanks, Christy. Wow. I think the biggest misconception for me was that it would be easier than it actually is. Um, I had a friend who had a baby before me, and she said it was the most beautiful experience ever. And I don't know if you've ever been through childbirth, but it's not very beautiful. <laughs> and that was the beginning. It took me uh, seconds to realize this was gonna be a lot harder than I thought. And I have a mom who, I don't know if she's half superwoman or what she assures me is I have selective memory. 
And my memories of childhood was that it was easy for her. And she constantly reminds me that our house looked like a tornado went through it, and she often threw hot dogs at us for dinner. So um, yeah, I just have like selective memory of my childhood. And I think just what came to mind when Tim was talking was um, before I had kids, I worked in ministry, and having a quiet time was part of my job, so I could have super long quiet times. And that that took a lot of adjusting to figure out my relationship with the Lord in this new phase of life and being able to adjust with that. And then even after the kids came and life continued to change, that, that has to change with um, the stage of life that I'm in, and he's the same God, and he understands and sees every struggle that I have, so um, he's very gracious. Mm, that's really good. So uh, if your expectations had to change, um, along with that would have to come uh, like a redefinition of what success looks like as a mom. So can you talk about that for a minute? Because you walk in, and we don't often define success, we just assume it and then go for it. But now with other people in the home, they can get in the way of our version of success, right? <laughs> so uh, talk for a minute about what, what do you think now? My question would be this now. Like, what do you think, how would you describe a successful mom now uh, in the stage that you're in? So we have um, a mom with younger kids, we have a mom with teenagers, and we have a mom with uh, kids out of the home primarily. So you're each in a different phase. So Catherine, can I go over your way first on this one? We'll kind of sure. reverse, come back sure. this way. So can you talk about where you are now? What, do you, what does success look like for you in, in being a mom? I would say uh, if you're a mom of zero to three, four-year-old survival is successful, <laughs> and keeping the kids fed and dressed, um, somewhat dressed, is uh, success. And we laugh about that, but I think, it's, I think it's really true. You get the chance to show your kids a picture of who God is in those simple things. You feed them every day. You provide for them. You pick up for them when they fall down. You love them when they're kind of unlovable. And you do this day in and day out, and it, it gives the kids a, a human picture, and hopefully someday they can connect that to God um, and his love for them and have a context for that. Uh, and then I would say beyond survival mode, when you get a little bit the, the stage that I'm at now, um, pointing your kids to Jesus, and a lot of times that takes um, admitting your failures to them and... Um, pointing out their failures at times, uh, and then walking with them in those and pointing them back to Jesus. Um, and I think in, in doing that, you give a ki kids a picture of God in all parts of life, not just church or whatever that box is that you can put God in, but having God be a part of uh, all aspects of life, because they're going to succeed and fail in all aspects of life. Um, and one little success story of this was one time we were just in the living room and on our TV screen there's like a, a screensaver type thing and a picture of a scenery came up and one of my kids was pretty small and they looked at it and just said wow God is so amazing and I remember thinking like man if the kids can get God out of TV screensavers uh, we're doing pretty good but just seeing God in beauty and seeing God in school and yeah everything yeah. that's really cool
Thank you, Catherine. Christy, I'll go your way. Um, okay, so I feel like a successful mom, when I think of myself, I feel like it has changed throughout the stages that they've been in. What I would say I needed to have success when they were little, like Catherine talked about, is different for me now. And in this stage, I really feel like I'm kind of a, a cheerleader mm -hmm. because they are taking chances, um, getting independent, um, moving away from home, trying to figure out what they want to do with their college when they graduate. And I feel like um, they're constantly coming to me about those things, looking for, I think, encouragement in the choices that they've made. So I feel like I spend a lot of time reminding them of the gifts that I see in them and also reminding them who God is for them if they can look to that so that they can get brave and kind of follow through on those plans that they have. So I would say for me right now, I feel successful when I'm done having a conversation with them and they walk away kind of with that, yeah, I can, I can do this. Yeah. I feel good about that. Yeah, that's really good. I can relate to the um, idea of success kind of changing or growing maybe over time. Um, and I think um, a huge encouragement that I would have is to recognize that you can learn from other moms around you and you can be encouraged by them, you know, just hearing from each other, but that the goal isn't to like pattern your life after some other mom and assume like, oh, they're the perfect mom or they have it all together, but God has placed you as the mom for your kids. And so learning who they are, um, being real with them, admitting when you're wrong, I think those things are so huge. And then for me, the ultimate goal is, am I showing them as best as I can who Jesus is? Um, because if I tie my success to um, something the kids accomplish, or if they turn out and make this choice, oh, well, then I'm successful. I can't control that. All I can do is control what I model for them, how I respond to them, if I forgive them, if I admit that I'm wrong. Those things can help me be successful. But if my success is all wrapped up in their accomplishments or what I think their life should look like, it, I think it will fail and it puts unnecessary pressure on them because kids are gonna know, even if you don't speak those expectations, they'll know, oh, mom's really hoping for this. You must have a great husband, huh? I tell you what. See what I have to deal with? <laughs> <laughs> really helpful. Uh, let me push this a little further because our expectations and comparisons are not just about ourselves, but we can also thrust them on our children unwittingly. Um, and that, of course, is a heavy and, 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 and corrosive thing. Um, talk for a minute, if you can, about how you recognize when your identity as a mom is merging with your children's success or failure, because you, you know, it, it's related. So, how, how do you know that when when you can have your identity? When when do you realize the moments where, like, shoot, I'm really tying my success and ID into my kids' success and failure? And then, how do you recognize it? And what do you do about it? go back this way if we can. I think a big sign for me of that is just what am I thinking about or telling myself internally? Like if my thought process is, what's so-and-so gonna think about me if my child does this? Or 
if my child accomplishes something great, like, oh, what, what are people gonna think of me now? If that's what I'm wrapping my identity in, then I'm really just focused on the impact on me and I'm not ready to speak encouragement into their lives or humility or whatever, you know, whatever I can speak into them. I'm only thinking about, you know, what's, what are other people gonna think about me? And that's kind of a key. I know it's really hard, like I know there'll be people who say, you can't have um, being a mom become your whole identity and, you know, because someday they're going to leave home and, and who are you then? And, and I get that to a degree. I mean, my kids haven't really left home yet, but also I love being a mom and I love being involved in their lives and having that relationship. So it's kind of this fine line of not getting too wrapped up in it, I guess, but yet that's the season I'm in and I want to enjoy it. Thank you. Yeah, Christy? Wow, well, just that was so wise of how you recognize it, Jen, that I relate to that so much, and I'm, I'm so guilty of doing that. I've done that so many times that my first thought is, oh, my gosh, what is this person going to think about this choice that my child made? And I've done that more often than I, I like to realize that I do. And I think what, what stops me is um, when I recognize that, um, just reminding myself of what I see in them that I know is from the Lord and reminding myself of all those things that I know to be true but that I take for granted um, so much, like that he has a plan, that his ways are perfect, that he uses all things to their good, even the, the bad choices or the things that I perceive of as a bad choice, and just recognizing that and seeing that and um, my, big, my biggest example of that would be probably Lily, um, mine who some of you guys know, um, she did worship for us at our retreat last year, but um, when she quit school, that was just, I couldn't imagine, I couldn't imagine that and um, I had those feelings. But um, I knew that since she was little, we saw that God had gifted her for music and worship and given her heart for that. And But her struggles in school kind of kept her from um, being free to pursue that, to feel good enough about herself to pursue that. And so even though it would never be my way of thinking um, it would work out, actually leaving school was good for her. She, she's now gotten more confidence um, and is using that gift. And so um, reminding myself of that and that all things working for good, um, I can kind of stop yeah. myself from doing that. That's great. Thank you, Christy. Yeah, Catherine. I very much agree. This is a tough one, and I've struggled with it from the time my kids could utter words or run away from me when I said, come. It's really hard not to tie your identity to kids. I think we're kind of trained to do that from a young age. Like, you study hard, and you get an A on your report card. You work hard, and you your success is kind of seen by the world. Uh, the problem is, with a report card, if you get a bad one, you can kind of, like, hide it. And if you don't get the raise or promotion, you're just content with your job, uh, but it's hard to hide five kids. So <laughs> so it's like there for the world to see. Um, and I think the thing that's helped me the most is um, coming to terms with the fact that I don't have it all together and God doesn't call me to have it all together. Um, God calls me to follow him and he will provide. He will do the heart change in the kids. I can't force them to become kind, nice people who obey all the time. Um, 
So yeah, just adjusting my expectation maybe from the first question that uh, I'd be good at this and come more to say, Lord, I don't have it all together and I need you. And, and two, like seeing little bits of that, of God work in your kid's life, I think is very encouraging. Um, we, had a, we have a child that just struggled with being kind. Like the initial response was not kindness and it was really hard for me. And I did character studies and wrote Bible verses out, made this person memorize Bible verses, did everything I thought that I could do and then finally realized it wasn't helping a whole lot. So um, not that I gave up, but uh, the months later, months later, maybe a year later, God started working in this child's life and unbeknownst to me, quiet times had started, um, conviction from the Lord had started to happen and this child's heart just changed and began showing kindness. Um, and that was, I have to look back to that and remind myself, God changes your children's heart. It's mm. its not you. And that also helps with the identity things. Yeah, just, um, it's God. And we're just here to do what God calls us mm. to do, which is love them and help direct them. That's really good. Well, I'm going to pick right up on that, Catherine. We're going to hit that lightning round right now because that was great what you said. And I'm going to give you each a final 30-second run. So if you had 30 seconds, what message would you want to send to moms um, right now? Ooh, okay. I had time to think about this, and I still am struggling. But I would <laughs> say chill out. <laughs> that, that really would be, if I look back to the years when my kids were younger, I spent so much time worrying that I was doing it wrong and that I was missing something and messing something up. And uh, so just chill out. Seek the Lord. You're going to struggle. Your kids are going to struggle. You'll fail. Um, let that failure pull you to God and to seek his wisdom and do that with your kids. And what a cool thing to teach your children that when you fail and mess up, the response is go to Jesus, not away from Jesus. So that's that really good. Thank you, Catherine. Great. Christine. For me, I would say um, you have a lot of influence, but you also have an enemy who tries to convince you that you have no influence and that you're not worthy and that you're not able and that you're not the best person to mother those kids that God gave you. So I think of the song we had this morning, hold on to every promise that you've ever made. Jesus, you are faithful because you are the right mom for your kids. Jesus doesn't make mistakes. He's given them to you and you are capable of loving them well and guiding them in the way that they need to go. And if you hold on to those promises and believe that, um, don't let the enemy or anybody else steal your joy or your confidence in knowing that you are the right person for that job. I think real quick, mine would be um, rather than kind of looking to the people around you for to get your idea of what your kids should be like, um, ask God to show you, like, who are they? Who did you make them to be? What What do you want for their life? And then try to help develop that in them um, rather than kind of putting on them an expectation of, oh, I think you should do this. You know, not that you don't, not that you don't speak um, encouragement or opportunities into them, but don't force that onto them, um, and just build that relationship as they grow. That's really good. Can you join me in thanking these folks for being here this morning?
Man, we say at Grace Point that every story matters, and the stories you've shared here um, matter to us, and thank you for being willing to do that. I hope you've been encouraged, and I hope this morning that we can kind of strip away some of the facade of pretension, of the illusion of perfection that, that can settle in on all of us, um, and to acknowledge there's expectations, there's comparisons that we fall into all the time. And so I appreciate the honesty, the candor, um, and the reality, uh, even of what Paul was saying in Romans 7. I do what I don't want to do, and I don't do what I do want to do. That's my life, and that may be yours too. And so I, I really appreciate where he goes, that our help comes from God through Christ. And if you don't know him, don't know who he is, we'd love to have that conversation with you this morning as he guides you and guides all of us in our lives in which we're in. All right, guys, next week, looking forward to having uh, Dr. Jim Ayers share with us, a uh, special guest speaker next Sunday morning. And uh, so we'll have him next week, and we're looking forward to that. So we'll, uh, let me pray for us, and then we'll let you guys get down. Father, thanks so much for the time to be here this morning. I'm grateful for the chance to, to hear from moms who are in the trenches, who are going through some uh, just some great stuff and some challenging stuff, some uh, matters of personal faith that have been shaped in how they see you and how they see their kids and how they see their own identity and success and failure relative to that. So God, I, I pray that you would continue to guide each of us. Some of us are moms here and some are not, but all of us deal with the weight of expectations and all of us deal with the problem of comparisons and so all of us can go down roads that are unhealthy for us try to reach for things that ultimately exhaust us and drain us rather than fill us and give us life so I pray that you would give us the courage to address these things the vision to see the heart to understand you in the middle of our ups and downs so thank you for even for the honesty of Paul as he writes the reality that we do things that we wish we would never, ever do. For you to give us grace in those spaces and the vision to find Christ in the middle of it all. So we love you. We thank you for the time we can share this morning. It's in Jesus' name that we pray.